Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will begin looking at the last section of Genesis 21, starting in 22, down through the end of the chapter in verse 34. And this is an interesting passage here in my Bible, at least uh, the one I'm using for a study and everything like this. It, it titles this section, A Treaty with Abimelech. When I had preached this, I took the title from Psalm 34, verse 14, where we read, turn away from evil and do good. Here's the last phrase, seek peace and pursue it. And that's that was the name of, uh, that was the title of my message. Uh, when I preach this section, seek peace and pursue it, this treaty with Abimelech. Now, when we think of peace, uh, peace is always in the interest of everybody. In some ways, it seems like a pipe dream, something fanciful and never able to be fully realized. It's hard to get people on the same page, especially when there is great power to be had or exerted. Uh, No amount of legislation will result in world peace, regardless of what people say. Uh, The only time there will be world peace is when the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6, rules this world, and not until then. And that, I believe, is why he's called the Prince of Peace. That's not just some allegorical or spiritual truth uh, that he rules in the hearts and we have peace in our hearts. No, he's called the Prince of Peace because he will uh, rule the world and there will be a period of peace such as the world has never seen uh, that will happen under Christ's uh, real physical rule. Now, in modern times, when we think of the peace that is sought, especially among the Western world, we think of peace in the Middle East namely within fighting Muslim factions like the Sunnis and the Shiites who've been at war with each other for centuries. And, and they only pause long enough to focus on their, uh, their efforts jointly on other infidel nations. Once they have uh, fought that to their satisfaction or whatever, then they go back to fighting each other. Uh, and, th- and then the fighting that goes on between all the Arab states and the nation of Israel. And, and then we could add to that just in the last year and a half. Now we're seeing uh, war between Russia and Ukraine. And we're hearing rumbles, uh, rumblings of war between, uh, you know, many, many other nations. China is threatening war. North Korea is threatening war. And you have other uh, Middle e- not just Middle Eastern, but uh, Eastern European nations now that are going to war. And, and now the United States, in addition to propping up Ukraine, uh, is now sending uh, billions of dollars worth of equipment and, and things to Poland so that they can fight their wars as well. I, it, it's just mind boggling. You know, do we want peace? Yes, for sure. I don't know about you. I do. Uh, but, you know, think about things relatively recently. We're going back 40 years, right? Or a little bit more than that, actually, about 44 years. In 1979, uh, then-President Jimmy Carter hosted the Camp David peace talks between Egyptian leader Anwar Sadat and the Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin. And, uh, you know, they're having peace talks, the, the Camp David Peace Accord, Right. Uh, 2000, President Bill Clinton 
uh, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud, or Ehud Barak and Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat. Clinton hosts them at Camp David uh, prior to that fall's election. Then in 2007, President George W. Bush hosts Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmert and Palestinian Authority leader uh, Mahmoud Abbas. 2010, President Obama hosted Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Palestinian Authority, Authority leader Mahmoud Abbas. Again, uh, you know, different uh, Israeli leader, uh, but again, they're trying to facilitate peace. Benjamin Netanyahu uh, was, you know, out of office for a little bit. Now he's back. You know, who knows what's going to happen? But he had been quoted in the past as saying, "If the Arabs put down their weapons today, there would be no more violence." If the Jews put down their weapons today, there would be no more Israel. I think that that quote will probably go down in the history books as long as this earth is around, which may not be that much longer, but it will go down as probably one of his most famous quotes. And I believe it to be absolutely true because the nation of Israel today that was born in 1948 or rebirth, I should say, the modern day Israel, they are not seeking war with anybody. They are seeking to survive. I mean, think about the beginning of that statement. If the Arabs put down their weapons today, there would be no more violence. Why? Because the nation of Israel doesn't want violence. And so they're not going to pursue that. But if the Jews put down all their weapons and they shut down the Iron Dome and they turned everything in, there would be no more Israel. Once word got around, uh, Israel would be wiped off the face of the map. He's absolutely right. So what does this have to do with the text? Well, enter Abraham. He has been promised many things by the Lord and has already seen the fulfillment of so many of God's promises. However, just because he is a man of faith doesn't mean that he doesn't work with mind and reason that God has given him. We see that when he went to deliver Lot from the king of Sodom in Genesis 14. The text says that Abram had allies in Mamre, the Amorite, think of the Oaks of Mamre, right? The brother of Eshcol and of Aner, uh, Genesis 14, verse 13. These are those who went and fought with him to rescue Lot. So he had begun to make alliances. Now God has preserved Abraham from corruption, not only in Egypt, but also with the same Abimelech of Genesis chapter 20, who is in the land where Abraham is currently dwelling. Now, now we're going to come back and revisit this same Abimelech. Remember what happened there? Abraham enters the land and he says that Sarah is his sister. So Abimelech takes Sarah to be his wife. And before he can do anything, the Lord stops him, shuts up the wombs of everybody in Abimelech's household. You know, go back and listen to that episode, right? But if you're Abimelech now, do you want peace with this man, Abraham, if he's going to live in your land? Because remember, the offer had been made, live anywhere you want in the land. Do you want peace with this man? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I would. This man has the God of creation on his side. This man has the God who could shut up the wombs of all the women in his entire household. Uh, I definitely want to have peace with this man who's clearly in the Lord's favor. So that being said, how do we arrive at peace? Uh, what lessons do we see about peace from the text? Well, in verses 22 to 24, we see this principle that believers should be willing to work with reasonable requests of others. And I think this is good. I mean, we're seeing already the application of the text, but let's let's read it, understand it, and, and then come back and, and revisit this application. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, 
God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. So believers should be willing to work with the reasonable requests of others. Doesn't mean that we always agree with everybody, but if it's a reasonable request, there is such thing as reasonable accommodation and uh, compromise where we are not having to compromise our morals or our integrity or any of those things or the truth. Okay. So let's work through this. We have here Abimelech and Phicol. Abimelech is the king. Phicol is named here as the commander of his army. So think of this as the king and the commander, or think general, right? This is the general, the chief of staff of the armies, uh, or what we would say in our country, the joint chiefs of staff, right? Who's over all the branches of the military. Uh, so, you know, think of, think of Phicol that way. And these, in other words, these are people of power. These are people of influence. These are people of importance in that land. So these are the ones who are in view here. And think about this as well. Uh, they have knowledge of others. Now, this could be an opportunity for pride, either for Abraham, uh, probably for Abraham. But li listen to this. God is with you in all that you do. I don't know about you, but I could, you know, I, I don't think that I would get all puffed up, but it's possible that when somebody says something like that, that you could take that the wrong way and become proud. Uh, but the fact is, is God is the one and his actions. It's not Abraham. Now, God has chosen to bless Abraham, but what's really in view here is the actions of God. And we always need to be humble about that and to, you know, not give any any opportunity for pride to work any more in us. We're already too full of pride. Uh, that is that is a problem with all mankind, I believe, is we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And we're even admonished in the book of Philippians not to do that. Uh, so we have to understand that. But the only other thing that Abimelech knew of Abraham was that he was not entirely trustworthy. That's, that's uh, also a little piece of humble pie, not that he says that. He says, God is with you in all that you do. Why is he coming to him? Well, not only does he know that God is with him, but he also knows that Abraham wasn't entirely upfront. I mean, Abraham justified his actions back in chapter 20. Uh, he did justify his actions. And said, well, she really is my sister. She's my half sister. Yeah, but you let us believe that she was just your sister, i.e. like you're not married. Like that's deception. So he's not quite trustworthy. Uh, and I think that that's why he is asking for an oath here. Therefore, swear to me, right? In other words, this isn't just give me your, you know, man's agreement, uh, your gentleman's agreement here, handshake. I mean, th this is put, put everything on the line, swear an oath. That, that's what it means to swear, to swear an oath to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or my descendants or my po posterity. Oh, and that oath actually has to deal with his first encounter with Abraham, does it not? That you will not deal falsely with me. In other words, you did deal falsely with me, and I'd really like not to have that repeated. Uh, I think that's a reasonable request. And not only am I asking you not to deal falsely with me, uh, 
please don't do that with my descendants or my posterity. Uh, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me in the land where you have sojourned. I, I offered this land to you. I did everything that the Lord asked. I gave your wife back. I gave you gifts. I gave you silver. I gave you animals. I gave you servants. I, I gave you everything. And, and Abraham said, I will swear. So, you know, there's, there's part of me that, uh, you know, can look at this and say, well, Abraham really has no, no ground to refuse this. I mean, this is a reasonable request. And when you stop and think about the actions, it makes perfect sense why he is making this request. As I have dealt kindly with you, I did everything that the Lord asked of me and I was above and beyond. The Lord didn't even say to me, I needed to let you live in the land. And I said, you can go wherever you want, do whatever. It's all here. But now I'm just asking, please don't ever allow this to be repeated. And then we see this compliance by Abraham says, I will swear. And so he is accommodating what I think is a reasonable request. Now, I will say this as well, that I think part of understanding uh, what's happening here is the fact that Feichel is with him, the military commander, is telling. So when he says, I have dealt kindly with you, I think one of the keys to understanding this principle, you know, that we should accommodate a reasonable request, it's not just in general here, but I think it comes in understanding this word kindly. Uh, he's got a, a military general who is present with him. This probably has militaristic type of implications. And the word that's used here, the, the word in the Hebrew can mean to come together for aid. It also uh, talks of obligations between close relationships to show loyalty, uh, exists between a son and a dying father, a wife and a husband, uh, you know, confidants, faithful servants. So there, there is this obligation and faithfulness, but the coming together for aid. In other words, it's not just focusing like I gave you good gifts. Maybe from time to time you could give me good gifts. But if I have need of something, then I'd like you to come to my aid. Probably he's heard of some of the things that had happened uh, back in Genesis 14. And, and Abraham now has some military victories under his belt. You certainly don't want to be on the wrong side of this guy who not only has the Lord of hosts, but is also a formidable foe just from, uh, just from a plain militaristic viewpoint. And so I think one of the keys to understanding this is found in that uh, particular word there that we're, we're talking about uh, this kindness that was shown to Abraham and the expectation that is, that is understood here with the presence of both Abimelech and his military general. So because Abraham agrees to that, that is going to help us as we begin to work through the rest of the text because w there's going to be times when Abimelech is a king, Abraham's house is growing large. I mean, his family is not necessarily, but he's probably got quite a, you know, formidable, you know, showing here with his own household between all of his servants and, and everybody who's in his household serving him. And so there's going to arise conflict, just as there were, you know, conflicts between his herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen back in the day when Lot went his separate way and, and all of those things. So we're probably going to find that here. And because of that, this agreement here that it is going to be to come to one another's aid, that's going to help us in understanding the events that unfold. But we'll leave it here. And on this principle, 
that really we ought to consider that when somebody makes a request of us, especially, uh, you know, that, that's reasonable, that's not asking us to compromise anything, we should do whatever we can to accommodate, uh, even if we don't like a person. I mean, you go back and you say, well, what precedent do you have to say that Abraham doesn't like Abimelech? Well, his response to Abimelech when Abimelech says, why did you do this to me? He said, I thought you were going to kill me. I mean, <laughs> uh, that doesn't show like a great level of trust there. That shows a lot of mistrust. And so it's like, okay, I may not like this person, but if they want to pursue peace, you know, as much as is possible, we're even told this in the New Testament, live peaceably with all. And so I think that that's also important. We'll leave it there and we'll pick it up starting in verse 25 in our next episode. This has been another podcast of expositional excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.